In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the midst of life, we are in death. From whom can we seek help? This is the beginning line of one of the optional anthems in an Episcopal funeral. It's usually passed over for the more hopeful, I am the resurrection and I am the life, says the Lord. The anthem which pulls primarily from our gospel passage today. The anthem I first referenced, though, goes on by being punctuated by the refrain, Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and merciful Savior, deliver us not into the bitterness of eternal death. This anthem has become an important prayer practice for me in my life. I've mentioned before from this pulpit in a sermon that I pray this anthem after every school shooting. And I loathe having to have a prayer practice for this event. But most of the time, deliver us not into the bitterness of eternal death is basically the only tether that holds me to hope while grieving such a vile tragedy. Lately, though, this practice has begun to expand. Devastating tornadoes in Mississippi, more than a year of a land war in Europe, and an aggressive political landscape which seems hell-bent on destroying those who bear the image of God. Deliver us not into the bitterness of eternal death. Whether it's my personality or life circumstances or my age and location in the long arc of history, I am a person who actually really loves grief. In a lot of ways, it's a companionship that was forged out of necessity and then out of a deep conviction for how transformative grief can be. There is something holy about the grief we carry. Grief is complicated and weird and painful. It's disorienting and nonsensical. And because we are beings created to love, the hard truth is, is that we can grieve anything. Grief rarely is just about death. It's really about loss. You can grieve a loss of a sense of safety or a loss of health, a loss of a sense of who you are or who you want to be. We can grieve the, imagine, the loss of imagined futures or plans that didn't quite work out. There's nothing in this life, I think, more painfully beautiful than about how we are so intricately created to love and grieve something that never was. In all of its complexity, grief is never solely about the person or the thing or the imagined future. Grief is really about how we are changed 
by losing it. And this is why I love grief. I love grief because we are never the same after we have grieved. We are never the same because we are changed because we have loved. Nearly all of our passages in today's lectionary text orient us to grief and loss. And it's not surprising then that most of my favorite passages are read today. Psalm 30, 130 is one of my go-to psalms that I read in my prayer. Ezekiel's Valley of the Dry Bones might literally be one of my favorite sections of the whole of the Hebrew Bible because I have never encountered a more beautiful narrative of a community moving from a stagnant place devoid of any hope to a vibrant one full of the life and breath of God. And of course, our gospel passage is perhaps the most iconic story of grief and loss and hope. I love grief. So I should have a lot to say about these passages that talk about grief. But truthfully, even though I do love grief, right now I just don't like it. Grief is exhausting and consumptive. It can feel like we are drowning in the unpredictable waves of loss, and that hope that is the tether can begin to feel faint and elusive. There is so much to grieve in our world, in our community, and in so many of our personal lives. And it might just feel like there's something to grieve everywhere we turn. One of the things I love about this long narrative of Lazarus, our long gospel passage this morning, is about how grief is everywhere. Of course, we have Martha and Mary grieving their brother, and we have the Jewish leaders who mourned, and even Christ himself weeps. But in this narrative, we also see the disciples fear for their lives and for the life of Jesus. They warn him not to go see Mary and Martha, and their fear is likely a reaction from the grief they feel at having almost lost him. And maybe even Christ himself is grieving anticipatorily about his death that he knows is coming. When Jesus had decided to go to Lazarus, who has already been dead for days by now, his disciples protested. Likely knee-deep in their own grief around what could have happened to Jesus, they didn't want him to risk it. As it's recounted in our gospel, Thomas's response to Jesus' choice to travel is not further resistance or a litany of reasons why it's a bad idea, but rather a charge for his fellow disciples, and maybe even for the world that grieves today. Let us go 
that we may also die with him. In Thomas's eyes, there is no doubt that the next right thing to do in his grief is to continue in their devotion to their rabbi. It's humorous, then, that the, only, the one thing that most folks know about Thomas is to call him Doubting Thomas, when he needed to see Christ's scars before he could believe fully in the resurrection. There's something so deeply convicting about this simple line of response from Thomas. In this long story of Lazarus' resurrection, we see grief and fear and sadness and pain, and yet in the middle of it, Thomas finds a way to express devotion and commitment. Grief is disorienting and confusing, and yet here is an example, a one-sentence example of what it means to live out that anthem that has become vital to my prayer. Deliver us not into the bitterness of eternal death. Thomas and his conviction and his willingness to be a companion in the face of fear and death and loss and grief is something that I will carry with me this week. There is so much to grieve in this world. And that grief can feel disabling. But I know that in my own grief, even though I don't like it, I'm going to hold closely Thomas's words. Let us go now that we may also die with him. Our grief will change us. And we cannot live in today's world isolated from grief. But we can choose to walk with Christ to the cross. And we can choose to be present with those who have lost in their life the things that they love. And we can choose to remain connected to the grief of this world, even though it hurts. But the only way we can do all of this, to choose to hold on to that hope, to not let the bitterness of eternal death scar us, and for us to be more like Thomas, is to remember that the unrelenting hope of the resurrection even in the face of grief, is worth it. The thing that will give us the courage as we walk with Christ is this hope. And we will remember that Christ is the resurrection and that Christ is the life. Amen.